In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the strange increase of aggressive driving throughout the country, as well as can we really trust the next generation of young men that we're raising? What up, black man? Welcome to the Do Make Something podcast, where we focus on helping black men to become beneficial men for their community by discussing faith, creativity, art and culture, personal development, and mental health management. I'm your host, Jamile Calpin. Hope you all are doing well protecting your mental mental and finding time for an emotional release valve and doing the work to continue to become a beneficial man for your community. We're just going to jump right into the episode. A couple of topics that we want to talk about, aggressive driving in our society right now. And also, you know, there's a lot of pressure oftentimes put on the next generation to kind of be the best generation or the generation that needs to fix everything. And really wondering, is that a good plan? But before we do any of that, we got to do the mental health check-in. So going to start with low, high, and really asking myself, did I create anything? So a low, hmm, the low for me recently has just been like anxiety. <laughs> I've been having a lot of anxiety. A lot of it has come from the year coming to a close. So if you're a business owner, or if you're just paying attention to the calendar, we are in the last quarter of the year. We are in the last quarter of the year. And that means there's not a lot of time left in 2022. And the thing is, like, there's nothing really wrong with that. That's okay. It, it's, it's okay that we can take the time to do what we need to do and do our best to wrap up the year. But for me, sometimes I get caught up my head, caught up in my head, and I focus so much about tomorrow that it's really hard for me to be present with today. And that really feeds my anxiety. And I, I try to think of, like, all the different things I can try to accomplish in this last quarter before the new year starts. And it's really not helping me. Like it interferes with my sleep. It interferes with just like even even like other physical things. Like my appetite gets messed up. And sometimes when I get stressed or I'm feeling anxious and stuff like that, um, I don't want to say exactly that my hair starts to fall out. <laughs> but I, I've noticed like over time as I've been stressed, especially the past couple of years with like depression and anxiety and stuff like that, my hair has been thinning. And I know it comes... For some people, it comes naturally, you know, as you age and stuff like that. But hair thinning and then also, like, sometimes uh, my scalp would just kind of, like, irritate. And, and I, I, I've looked that up, you know, and that oftentimes can come from stress and it can come from anxiety. And it sucks. It's frustrating. And But, you know, I'm trying my best to manage it. But it's just something that I'm noticing. So that's, that's definitely a low, just being super anxious about the remain, remainder of the year. A high for me is that I'm also, in this last quarter of the year, um, specifically this month, celebrating uh, six years of marriage with my wife. And I'm super excited about that. I'm very, very grateful that we have made it this far. Learned a lot, still learning a lot. And for me, like this is a turning point. And I think for both of us, this is a turning point. Like our journey, our, our marriage and our relationship has really been a journey. And it's been fruitful, but it's also been very, very, very challenging. And I'm excited because this is an opportunity for us to turn things around. Like this is a very pivotal moment and season that we're in so that the rest of our days to together can be the best of our days together. We're both excited about that and we're both looking forward to it. And I know for me, that's like really what I'm focusing on, which probably goes hand in hand with the anxiety that I'm dealing with in the low, is that I really want to be better. I really want to become a better man. And like I'm sharing in the podcast and rest of the content that I make for Do Make Something is that I'm on this journey too to become a beneficial man. 
to become a better man, not only for my wife and for my community, but for myself. Like if we're me and my wife, we talk about this, that, you know, in scripture, I think it's in the book of Psalms. It talks about like the average length or of days for a man, a uh, man or woman, whatever. And it's like 80 years plus an extra potential, like 20 or something like that. And so we've, <laughs> my wife is very optimistic and I believe it and I support it. And I'm grateful for her optimism. But she was like, yeah, we're going to live to be 120. It's like, okay, all right. If we're going to live to be 120, I got a lot of work that I need, I need to start doing so that I can make it to 120. You know what I'm saying? So like that, that requires eating different, exercising, uh, making sure we're getting sleep and doing all the things so that we can live and be live healthy lives and be healthy. And so for me, it's like, all right, I'm in my 30s now. So that means I have, I, I'm really just in the first quarter of my life. If we're believing that we're going to make it to 120 and that's what, we're look, that's what the goal is, right? We're trying to get to 120. So that means in this first quarter, you know, kind of been struggling a little bit, but the last three quarters, I want to, I want to be hitting it out the park. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to show up and be excellent and amazing and be my best self, but that requires work. That requires me to do the internal work. It requires me to do the spiritual, the soul, and the physical work so that I can be my best self for myself, for those close to me, and for those who I'm called to. Like, for me to be the best and to be a beneficial man, I have to do that work. I would say the same for all of you who are watching, who are listening. Like, we have to do that work so that we can be beneficial for glory and for good and so that we can, you know, serve those around us and live our best lives. So, yeah, I mean, the low, anxiety, high celebrating uh, another year of matrimony with my beautiful and amazing wife and the last thing create anything i've sort of been creating i've been writing i've been writing i'm actually working on a book to uh share that uh gives advice of things that i've learned over the 30 years of <laughs> that i've been alive to help manage mental and emotional stress with the ups and downs of life um, I don't really have a title yet, but it's going to be sharing some tools and pieces of wisdom that I've gained that have really helped me that I want to share. I want to share with the world um, and share with other men so that they can help manage and better to make the most of this life. You know what I'm saying? Because some days aren't good days. At least they don't feel that way, you know. But with these tools and this, this wisdom that I've gained from older men and from reading scripture and other things like that my own personal experiences if we apply these tools we can make sure to have more good days than bad days and that's the hope and that, that, that's the plan to be able to share this book when it's done um, and making it available so that more of us can have better days and good days and not bad days that's what i've been working on creatively just got to keep that going being consistent showing up it's a little tricky sometimes but it's important to me, so I, got, so I got to get it done. But all right, let's jump into the first topic in today's podcast. I don't know about you, but since COVID started and since people have had the opportunity to go out and travel and things have kind of been opening up, driving is super frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating. And, and the biggest reason I think it's frustrating is because it seems like people are just crazy when it comes to driving. Like road rage seems to be out of this world. Like people are so impatient, cutting off people and just being super, super aggressive. And I've been saying this and pointing this out for the past two years. It seems to be consistent. And I don't, I don't know if it's going to go away. I mean, the hope is that things will kind of like settle down, but particularly where I am in the DMV area, people just seem to not, they just forgot 
how to drive and drive safely and be respectful and stuff people are just crazy like recently my wife and i went to florida for a funeral we went to florida and while we were there and traveling and moving our way around in florida i got real close real close to like hopping out of my car and trying to fight some guy <laughs> because he was just being an a-hole like seriously a legitimate a-hole like we were trying to get from a turning lane to go into a you know into a parking lot or whatever to go shopping and the turn there was no light or anything but there's cars coming so it's a long lane of cars and so we're moving along we're moving along and by the time we come up there's cars coming like if i went out there i would have got hit and my wife is on the passenger side and i'm not i don't want my wife to get hit i don't want either one of us to get hit so we go and i stop because there's oncoming traffic the guy behind me starts blowing his horn like crazy and acting like a dick <laughs> like seriously um and it's just like yo what is your problem? Like, there's clearly cars coming. There are clearly cars coming. What is your issue? So he's throwing the tantrum in his car, and we can hear him. You know, we can hear him. And eventually, you know, look back, and the dude is flipping us off and stuff like that, and I'm doing my best. Really, really, and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the grace of God and some level of self-control that um, I didn't get out of that car. Because the guy is like rolling down his window and he's like, you trying to get out of the car? And like, if I wasn't in my right mind, and to be honest, if if I wasn't, probably if I wasn't with my wife, I might have made a bad decision. And on top of that, I think if I wasn't in Florida, it might be different. Like, because, you know, Florida is crazy. I don't care what anybody says. Florida is a very, very, very interesting place. I think as a black man, you have to be fully super aware of your surroundings. It's it's just so, it's so crazy now like it, it seems like people are just acting stranger and stranger as time goes on and particularly as you know as a result of the pandemic and covid I think people's behaviors and things like that are just like 10xing in a really really strange way and i'm not sure what it is i don't know what's up with it but it's true like it's an it, it's legitimate and so i pulled up some articles that discuss this so let's let's look at them real quick so the first one the first article is from Forbes magazine. And so this one was from December 16th, 2021, and which is kind of related to where we are now. We're moving to the end of the year with the change of seasons and it's coming down to the holidays. So I'm gonna read through this article and I have one other article, but it's just, it's nuts. Here we go, Forbes article. Road rage is accelerating despite fewer miles being driven. Traffic and weather conditions will certainly be on the minds of many motorists as they head for the hills to gather with family and friends in the days ahead. While the celebrations may get loud and sometimes even cantankerous, experts say it's best to keep your emotions in check while en route to avoid, in, to avoid a dangerous and potentially deadly bout of road rage. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA, defines aggressive driving as the operation of a motor vehicle in a manner that endangers, endangers or is likely to endanger persons or property. While full-blown road rage is characterized as an assault with a motor vehicle or other dangerous weapon by the operator or passengers of one motor vehicle or uh, precipitated by an incident that occurred on a roadway. Aggressive driving plays a role in 56% of all fatal crashes in the U.S., according to a study conducted by the Insurance Information Institute. While the AAA Foundation attributed more than 200 more murders and 12,000 injuries to road rage over a seven-year time period. What's more, the level of tension on the nation's roadway has only increased while overall traffic has been reduced because of pandemic-fueled business closures and work 
learn from home policies. A recent study conducted by the insurance website The Zebra in Austin, Texas, determined that while 35% of the population is logging fewer miles these days, one in five drivers is experiencing more roadway, roadway frustration now than, now than prior to COVID's roadblocks. A whopping 95% of respondents said they, they've observed road rage or aggressive driving in the past year, while 64% admit to their behavior. So this is 2021. We're getting close to a year later, and honestly, I don't see any difference. <laughs> in addition to paying fines and court costs, the Zebra found that motorists being cited for reckless driving will see their annual insurance premium skyrocket by an average of $906 and far more in some states. Compared to the Zebra's last road rage survey in 2019, drivers feel they are more triggered across the board as far as, mo as what frustrates them. Not surprisingly, the survey found that most common source of anger, 63%, is distracted drivers, which I, I can agree. I, every day I see somebody texting and driving. Every day, whether it's holding up traffic at a stoplight or a stop sign because somebody's texting or whatever, or carelessly driving on the highway, texting and driving. Like you can look over and see them. And it's, it, it's, it's embarrassing too, because depending on where you are and where you live, you also see police officers do the same thing. And like, I understand that in cop cars, they have like computers and stuff like that, but I don't know, man. I don't know if you should be checking your email while you're driving. Anyways, rightly so, as 3,142 people were killed in crashes involving distracted drivers in 2019, according to NHTSA. More than half, 56% of motorists said they felt most frustrated negotiating highways and freeways followed by streets, traffic lights, intersections, and shopping center parking lots. Honking a vehicle's horn to express anger or frustration is the most, most self-reported aggressive behavior, followed by yelling, cursing at another driver or pedestrian, 24%. And again, see this all the time. Like people love, love to use their horn as a way to communicate things, which is sad because it's, it's so dangerous. You have no idea, like, you have no, no idea what people got going on in their car, what they got going on in their lives. But we, you know, get frustrated real quick and we want to honk our horn, wave at somebody, yell at somebody in our car. We're real quick to do that. And that may not be the wisest thing to do. Let's continue the article. In, article. in the Zebra survey, 60% of drivers said they deal with frustration by listening to music. Other top tactics include yelling or cursing, waiting until the feeling goes away, or driving a different route. Experts say the best way to respond when another driver seems to be venting his or her anger in your direction is not to react at all. If another driver cuts you off or is otherwise driving aggressively, slow down and give them room to pass. Do not respond with obscene gestures or equally hostile actions. If you inadvertently, inadvertently cut off another driver, try to apologize by making a suitable hand gesture. I know for a lot of people that's really hard. That's the, and I can know, I know for some men that can be really hard because your pride will kick in and your ego will be like, nope, we're about to pull over and about to handle this. But again, that may not be the wisest thing to do. If you feel you're in danger because of another driver's actions, use a cell phone to call police or drive to a police station if there's one within proximity to get law enforcement involved. Never exit your vehicle to confront the other person if you're at a traffic signal or, or are otherwise stopped. Again, I was in Florida and I was really about to break this advice. Perhaps adding fuel to the proverbial fire, the zebra found that 27% of motorists admit to keeping a weapon in their car for personal protection, knife, pepper spray, a club, etc. 
with 8% packing a firearm while driving. And honestly, I, I, I believe that that percentage has probably gone up, especially throughout the pandemic. Think about that. The next time you decide to flip off another driver for whatever vehicular infraction irks you on any particular day. Here is the zebra's list of the top 10 triggers for road rage motorists should be mindful of especially as so many of us hit the highways to celebrate by year's end. So talking about the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all that stuff. Number one, distracted drivers, 63%. Two, others not using turn signals, 51%. Three, tailgating, 49%. Four, getting cut off, 49%. Five, others, driver, others driving too slow. Six, traffic jams. Seven, others driving too fast. Eight, getting blocked from merging. 9. Other drivers displaying anger. 10. Construction zones. And you can look for, you know, more full study if you want on that. And so, like, for me, again, that's, especially this part when it talks about not knowing what people have, I think it goes both ways. A lot of times people who are yelling and screaming and, and acting crazy, they really don't know. And they sometimes don't expect people to honestly get out and respond to them. To be honest, yeah, I had a weapon. I had a weapon. I was, I was, I was in a position to, in my case, if I was yielding to a fit of rage, I could have caused that person harm or their vehicle harm. Would that have been wise? No. Would that have endangered me and my spouse? Yes. Would that have put me in a position to be arrested in Florida? More than likely. And the crazy part is, so after that whole incident happened, right, we parked or whatever and got out of the car. My, I told my wife that, hey, I need to walk around and kind of like, let off some of the steam because I'm, I'm I was really 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 upset <laughs> really upset and I mean I'm grateful and I appreciate that she allowed me to do that so she went in the store and you know was walking around and stuff but for me like I again I'm grace of God <laughs> grace of God and like a level of self-control and that's the thing like we have to work on that especially as we're trying to become beneficial men sometimes our anger and our temper mixed with like pride and ego can put us in bad spots really really bad spots especially as black men like we feel like it's so important that we always have to be right or we can't let quote unquote people embarrass us or get a leg up on us and i get it and i understand especially in our in our in this society and stuff like that we're very used to people taking advantage of us in different ways whether it's each other taking advantage of one another or the society and culture as a whole you know what i'm saying but we have to learn how to respond and not react because reacting can put us in danger. Reacting could lead to really, really bad consequences if we're not careful. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this because we have to learn how to get better control of our emotions and our, our, our mental mental. Because I know probably for a lot of you, things can get heated and go zero to 100 real quick. But as men, as we're trying to become beneficial men and grow, and be better for ourselves and for our loved ones and for our community, we gotta get that in check. We gotta be able to like slow it down just a little bit. We gotta take some time to shift into the next gear. I'm not saying that we should never be able to shift into the gear because sometimes, yeah, it's important that you do get go zero to 100 real quick. And in a future episode, I really wanna talk about that, um, about being assertive, aggressive, and violence and stuff like that because I honestly believe that's something that, especially as Christians and as believers, we've that's something we need to address. It's something that we need to talk about. But related to this this observation that I'm seeing in regards to like road rage and traffic, as a result or you know as an effect of the the COVID pandemic, this is really a testing ground for how we're learning and how we need to learn how to respond 
to the world around us. We, ha we have to develop that skill to tra transition from only reacting to responding. I'm going to read this next article. It's another article that gives a little bit more information. This one is from June 2021. It's not just your imagination. Drivers in the pandemic have gotten more reckless. This is from CNN. When the coronavirus pandemic shut down the country last year, highways emptied out as many people holed up at home. But those who got behind the wheel engaged in riskier behavior, leading to the deadliest year for U.S. traffic crashes in over a decade. More motorists went too fast, failed to buckle up, and drove under the influence of drugs and alcohol, according to law enforcement and traffic safety experts. The outcome was grim. About 38,680 people died in vehicle crashes in the U.S. last year, the highest number since 2007, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Fatalities also increased among motorcyclists, bicyclists, and pedestrians, even as the number of miles driven nationwide dropped by 13.2% compared to 2019. It's mind-boggling and extremely frustrating to see the tremendous loss of life from COVID compounded by preven preventable traffic crashes, says Pam Sh Shadow Fisher, a senior director for the Governor's Highway Safety Association. Experts have several theories for the rise in deadly crashes. And based on preliminary data from the first three months of this year, 2021 has the potential to be even worse. Again, I, I would hope that things have gotten better, but I don't know if they have. Motorists have been emboldened by emptier roads. The recent rise in deadly crashes has been seen in all regions of the country. In New York State, more than 1,000 people died in motor vehicle crashes last year compared to 938 the year before, said Bo Duffy, a spokesperson for the state police. The percentage of crashes involving unsafe speed, alcohol, or illegal drugs all rose in 2020 over 2019 levels, Duffy said. Crashes in Colorado mirrored similar trends. Incidents of excessive speeding, going 40 miles per hour or more over the limit, shot up by 48% last year over 2019, said Sergeant Blake White, a spokesperson for the Colorado State Patrol. The state also saw an increase in road rage, street racing incidents, and other aggressive behaviors. During the height of the pandemic, many drivers stayed home and were discouraged from travel unless absolutely necessary, White said. Some of the drivers on the road seemed to feel traffic laws no longer applied during the pandemic because of the decrease in commuter traffic volume. I get it. You know, for some people, being able, especially like at the very beginning of the pandemic, like April, May, my wife and I, we were in North Carolina staying with my parents at the time. And whenever we went out to get groceries, it was bizarre. Um, the traffic down there wasn't was never really that bad anyway where they live but it was like a ghost town and so i get it i'm sure for some people after they've been cooped up in their houses or whatever for a long time they felt like hey i'm gonna go out there's no cars here i'm gonna floor it is that responsible no probably not i mean i get it maybe it feels responsible because there are no cars on the road but <laughs> i don't know if people are realizing that there are car more cars get in the road now it's like, just because you could do that before, or you have the opportunity to do that, you got to bring it back. You got to get it back under control. Let's continue. As drivers have trickled back into the highways, they've had to adjust to sharing space with others after a year of open roads. One result has been increased road rage, White said. Despite fewer cars on the roads, pedestrian deaths also rose last year. In an analysis of state data projects that 6,721 pedestrians were killed on U.S. roads last year up 4.8% from 2019, according to, to the Governor's Highway Safety Association. Even though there were fewer vehicles on the road last year, 
More people on foot were struck and killed by drivers, said Adam Snyder, the GHSA's communications director. When factoring in the decrease in the decrease in vehicle miles traveled in 2020, the pedestrian fatality rate leaped 21 percent from 2019, the largest annual increase since the NHTSA began collecting and analyzing such data in 1975. Speeding drivers caused deadlier wrecks. During the pandemic, many officers shifted their efforts to help critical industries such as grocery stores during supply shortages, Colorado's White said. That meant a dip in traffic safety enforcement, he said. As a result, many motorists put the pedal to the metal, which led to more deaths. Increased speeds lead to more fatal and, in fatal and injury crashes, White said. When speed increases, the severity of, of the crash is exponentially worse. Many other large states, including California and Georgia, also reported increases in fatal crashes last year. In Georgia, while there were fewer crashes statewide, the number of fatalities rose last year due to speeding, said Lieutenant W. Mark Riley of the Georgia State Patrol. With the, road, with the roadways being more open and more people increasing their speeds, the wrecks were more violent, he said. It's always more riskier when people are driving faster. Last year, California Highway Patrol officers issued 28,000 citations for speeding over 100 miles per hour, a 92% increase over 2019. The state also saw an uptick in fatal crashes last year, following decreasing numbers the previous two years, said Jaime Coffey, a spokesperson. It could have been Jamie. No, I think that's Jaime. Anyways, <laughs> a spokesperson for the California Highway Patrol. Coffey said that CHP is working with other highway patrols and state police agencies on traffic safety campaigns that focus on enforcing safe, safe, safe speeds. More fatal crashes have been tied to drugs and alcohol. Uh, I'm probably going to wrap that article because it goes on. Um, but right here, it even talks about the influence of drugs and alcohol and how that really had a huge impact, particularly on a lot of people during the pandemic. And it's crazy because really the past couple of years have really been showing people just like true colors and really uh, stressing people out. <laughs> I mean, honestly, a lot of people have been stressed out. You know, again, I think this is important one to notice what's going on in our society. I, I think if anybody's paying attention they realize that the culture and the society and the world around us is changing. It's shifting and moving a dramatic way in a very, very dramatic way. And it's not only relationships and things like that, but no, like everything around us is changing. And us as men, we need to be aware of that. We need to be paying attention that things are shifting. If there is a growing rise of aggression, of frustration, of violence that's going on, in the society and where we live, we need to prepare ourselves and position ourselves to respond accordingly. And so that, that's one of the reasons I brought this up in regards to like our mental and emotional health. We need to make sure we're in a position that we can respond accordingly, that we're not just reacting and flying off the handle. Because if we are trying to protect those we love or even protect ourselves or even make sure that our community is important, because I'll say this, it's important that even if the world is going crazy, as black men, we need to make sure that our community, the black community, is doing its best. And honestly, I believe that's our responsibility as men. However, we can do that, whether that's you making sure that you're taking care of your family or if you have neighbors that you're in a relationship or if you're part of a, a church or a religious community, checking in on people, checking in on other brothers, other men in your life. Yo, are you OK? What's going on with you? Like, how have you been dealing? Have you noticed what's going on 
going on around us? Have you noticed what's going on in society? There's a lot going on that it's, it's not only politics. It's not only the stuff that we see on entertainment or uh, strictly on the news. Like things are literally changing all around us, but we need to keep our eyes open. We need to be vigilant because that's what men are supposed to do. We're supposed to be vigilant about what's going on around us and making sure that we're in the best position to serve and to be beneficial. So, I mean, that's the whole point that I wanted to make about that. But let me know. Let me know what you think. You know, let me know if you've been noticing the change, particularly when it comes to road rage and the increased aggression that's happening when driving. Let me know. And hey, let me know maybe if you're one of those people that, you know, road rage has kind of been kicking up. Your 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 own aggression is kicking up. You know, admitting, is that something that you're trying to check? Are you, are you trying to be more careful and cautious? Are you even noticing that maybe, you know, you're driving a little bit too fast or your, your fuse is, is a little bit shorter now because of, you know, the past couple of years dealing with the, the COVID situation? You know, let me know. The next topic that I wanted to talk about before we wrap up the show is I've heard a lot of uh, different conversations and discussions, particularly online, when it comes to the men in our community. And it's, it's kind of sad and it's heartbreaking that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we see on the internet in response to like the manosphere, the black manosphere, red pill kind of stuff. And, you know, I know that's a hot topic within our community and particularly online, the relationship between men and women uh, dating, marriage, all that stuff. And I get it, you know, relationships and love and all that stuff, it's important. And for a lot of people, that's high up on their priority list. Because I mean, one, most people don't want to be alone. And we've also been groomed and taught that marriage and relationships are kind of a big deal, a big goal. Um, and I know sometimes within our community as black men, it's not even about marriage or relationships, it's about how many girls you can get, you know. Again, that's a whole other topic. But in the midst of these conversations and a lot of what we're seeing more and more of online and even offline, you know, conversations and having conversations with different people. For some people, they feel like this current generation of adult men are kind of just lost and like there's nothing you can do about it, you know. And I know we've heard that kind of narrative and that kind of rhetoric before. I'm sure every generation feels that way, that like the next generation or whatever is not good or seems hopeless or whatever and very often when people feel that way they change their attention from focusing on maybe their peers or people older than them or whatever they they stop focusing on the adults and try to focus more of their attention on the youth so that means like you know can't really do anything about my brother who's the same age as me or men who are older than me so i'm just going to do my best to serve those who are younger than me and i get that and honestly, I support that. I believe that's something that we should do. For me, I think the hesitation that I have with that is that if we are very, very concerned or if we're that concerned that the majority of the men in our community are derelict, are degenerate, are not good, just wilding, being immature, uh, violent, being aggressive, not, not beneficial for our community, not beneficial for themselves. If that is the majority, if that's the majority percent percentage i'm really curious to know how and why we believe that if only a minority of us who feel like are doing the right thing or doing the good thing if only a minority of us pours into the youth we feel like that minority of us is going to impact the majority of that youth 
And now, now hear me out. Like, I understand there's uh, optimism and there's hope. But honestly, <laughs> if the majority that are adults, the majority of, of men in our community aren't being beneficial, aren't uh, good influences, aren't good role models, and that majority has access to the same tools, the same resources, and the same platforms that we do, saying, assuming that, you know, beneficial men who are trying to raise the youth, impact the youth, influence the youth, so that the next generation can be better. To me, that sounds like a losing battle. And it's disheartening and, it, and it's frustrating. Um, the thing that's frustrating about it to me is, I think we still have to fight for our peers, for men that are our age, who are our contemporaries. I think we still have to engage in conversations and discussions with them to try to change them, to influence them, and to not give up on my brother who's next to me or the elder in my life that could also be influencing my peers and my contemporaries and the generation next. And the reason I say that is because like, I don't want us to be hopeless. I don't want us to give up and like, just throw our hands up and feel like, well, it's just a lost cause. It's too late. People who are, you know, in their 20s, their 30s, 40s, or above, it's just a lost cause. You know, a lot of times people say you can't teach old dogs new tricks. I don't believe that because I don't think we're dogs. I don't believe that. I'm not an animal. <laughs> I'm not a wild beast. And neither are you. So that means you can learn something. Like It's actually scientifically proven that our brains are able to grow and develop new neurons so that we can learn new thoughts. So one, we need to get rid of that mentality. We need to get rid of that, get rid of that idea to say old dogs can't learn new tricks. You're not a dog. And two, you can. You can learn anything new if you put the effort into it. The reason I wanted to touch on this is because I want to encourage us and motivate us to like continue to reach out to one another, to continue to reach out to our brothers who are our contemporaries, who are our peers, who we know that may not be beneficial right now, who may not have beneficial thoughts, who may not have productive and, and, and mature thoughts about the world around them, how they treat women, how they treat themselves, how they view the society, how they deal with road rage and other things like that. We have to keep fighting. We have to fight for the men that are right beside us, the men that are above us, and even the men that are supposed to come up after us, the young boys. We have to do that. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate the men who are educators, the men who are, you know, involved in the community, influencing young people. Even if you are a content creator and like your your main audience is people younger than you. We gotta do what we can to influence all of our community, all of the men in our community, all of the, all of the males in our community. And really, I don't want us to give up on one another. That's really the heart behind it. I don't want us to give up on one another. I want us to continue to try to fight, to be patient. And yeah, I get it. Sometimes you got to cut your losses. You know, you, you try, you try, you try. And in that situation, you may have to pivot how you approach the situation. For me as a believer, when I hit like a roadblock with dealing with people, I got to give it to God. I got to give it to the most high. I pray for those people. I pray that the most high arrests their soul and, and, and changes their mind because me trying to communicate logically or whatever is not working. But I don't want us to give up. I don't want us to give up and think our community is hopeless or the men of our community are hopeless. We aren't really in a great place. We're, we're kind of down bad. <laughs> and honestly, I think it's because we've dropped a ball in various capacities throughout the generations. And 
sadly, I think the minority of good men, beneficial men, mature men, has remained a minority. While immature thoughts and ideas and behaviors has become very pervasive throughout our community and throughout our society. And those ideas and those thoughts have permeated deeply within a lot of our men. And it, we have to do work to uproot it. We have to do work to challenge it. We have to do work to dismantle those things so that we can become better. And like even little things about like understanding the benefit of managing our emotional and mental health so that we can mature. And even just changing our perspective about instead of being selfish, being selfless and serving those around us. Because that, that really is the heart behind being a beneficial man is benefiting those around you. But let me know your thoughts. Like, do you feel like giving up on this current generation? People that are my age or people that are, that are the same age as, you know, as you. I mean, is, is it too late? Do you think only thing we should do is really focus on reaching the next generation? Or do you feel like there is hope that other men's minds can be renewed so that we can have more beneficial men in our community to be able to raise and influence the next generation? You know, let me know your thoughts. As we wrap up today's episode, uh, I want to throw out some information in a little nugget. So as you all know, this is the Do Make Something podcast, um, but coming soon, I am rebranding, <laughs> rebranding the podcast, rebranding the channel, and more details are going to come soon in the next episode. And I just feel like it, it'll be beneficial to kind of rebrand and kind of make things clear. Because, you know, when I first started this, this podcast and the content I was creating, Do Make Something, was really focused on creativity and trying to reclaim creativity in your life so that you can uh, influence and manage your mental health. But the vision that I believe the Most High has given me and what I've worked out and what I really want to accomplish, my desires for the content that I'm making here is getting clearer and is shifting. And so it's important that I rebrand and uh, kind of pivot so that one, uh, it'll be easier to be found. <laughs> and two, that uh, people can better understand what I'm doing so, the, so that they can support and understand what they can get from the content that I'm creating here. That's it for today's show. Thank you for watching. Uh, thank you for supporting. For those who are watching on YouTube, I really, really appreciate it. Please like, share, subscribe to the channel, and uh, let other people you know about the channel. You know, send this video, send this podcast, um, so they can check it out. If you're listening on your favorite podcast and app, please be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Let me know. You can leave messages on my Anchor app. Yeah shoot me a message or find me online and social media. You can find me on Instagram or you can find me on Twitter. It's just at Jamile Calpin, all one word at Jamile Calpin. But until next time, black man, you're called for more than mediocre living. You're here for a purpose to live for glory and for the good of others. Let's do the work and keep choosing to become beneficial for our community. I believe in you until next time, go make something for yourself of yourself and for God's glory and the good of others. Peace.